Getting so, old, man. We're getting I old. I think it might be that. <laughs> uh, we ready? Yeah, we got to get this one on the road. All right, let's do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. This is episode 18. 18. Damn. The show is an adult. It's You're legal. right. It's it, legal. We are. This is a legal show now. Yep. All you kids out there, you can listen, right? No. No? That's, that not, how that, that's not how that works. But anyways. I haven't had caffeine in two weeks, man. Okay. I'll give you a free pass on that <laughs> one. So what are we going to get into today? What kind of news stories we got before we dive in? I'll start out with one here. Kind of funny. So this is the headline. Tennessee man leaves $5 million to dog in his will. She's a good girl. $5 million? $5 million. This is kind of messed up, man. So, Tennessee businessman Bill Doris died late last year. The 84-year-old left $5 million to his 8-year-old border collie, Lulu. Doris's friend had already been watching Lulu for years because I guess this guy traveled frequently. Sure. And he left the dog with her, like, all the time, I guess. Okay. And the guy died, and he left in his will $5 million for this dog. Not not old uh, Miss Burton watching the dog, but the dog. So, the will specifies that the $5 million is to be placed in a trust to provide for Lulu's care and the dog should remain with Burton according to the report. Burton is to be reimbursed for normal monthly expenses approved by the conservator managing the trust. So literally the five million dollars is just going to go towards the taking care of the dog. Like this woman taking care of his dog not going to any family members not going to any type of anything but just to the care of this dog. If I'm that lady, a big part of that dog's new care routine is taking exotic vacations <laughs> exactly. to exotic locations. Exactly. I thought this I don't, was outrageous. I don't know what to say about that. Coincidentally, is that your only news story for the day? I have another one, but you okay. can go ahead. I got one real quick. Uh, it's it's a coincidence because it also includes $5 million. Well, $5.5 million. Are you familiar with DoorDash? Yes, DoorDash. The app? Okay, DoorDash spent $5.5 million to advertise their $1 million charity donation. They spent $5.5 million telling everybody that they donated a million dollars. So who who's running these companies? Well, the problem with these tech companies is it's mostly engineers who it's usually the guy that came up with the, the algorithm to create the app to bring it to like the, yeah. the store or whatever, the, the Play Store or the App Store or whatever. Mm-hmm. Usually it's whoever the smartest person in the room that developed the app usually ends up becoming the CEO. Very problematic because programmers are not always the very the most savvy business people. Right. Usually you're really good at programming. You can write the code really well. You can come up with the idea to create the product. But when it comes to managing, you've got no clue. I <laughs> uh, look at Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook. He's a coder. He wrote he couldn't write a really good program. He can come up with an idea. Yeah. But he's a code right. Was what that's what he was. Right. Should he be running the show? Probably not. Probably not. So they spent $5.5 million <laughs> to tell everybody about their big charity donation. Isn't that hilarious? Isn't that? Isn't it funny? Uh, speaking of that, uh, what was something Trump said one time? Like the Obamacare website costs like $3 billion, and he said he can make one for like 5 bucks, Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, with the government is the budgets get really bloated really quickly because there's so many people with so little oversight. The government doesn't attract the best or the brightest always right. when it comes to doing like any type of work that doesn't involve governing. Right. So like the programmers, you're probably not going to get the best programmers working for the government because they'd rather work on something fun. You're not going to get the best managers because they'd rather manage something that pays better, number one. Mm-hmm. 
and this cooler number two. So if you're a programmer and you kind of understand the system a little bit, and it's like, how much does it cost to create this website? Oh, $3 billion is a great number. That could be $3 billion that is going towards your vacations, your office all, amenities. All kinds of different Anything, shit. dinners, lunches, whatever. Nobody's going to check that because nobody has any clue what's going on. Right. Because it's not the best or the brightest. Exactly. So, anyways. Speaking of government. Let's listen. What are we getting into today, Pat? Don't you have another news story? Or oh, shit, I do have another news story. Thank you for reminding me. No I'm, problem. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, this news story. Um, former high school classmates found out they're twins. They're twin siblings. Really? So, uh, a pair of former classmates in Indiana who reconnected decades later on Facebook made a shocking discovery. They're long-lost twin siblings. That is incredible. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes. Good thing they didn't date in high school. Good thing, for sure. <laughs> So Karen Warner, 51, said she found her biological mother's name a few years ago when Indiana unsealed adoption records, and the discovery came with a surprise. She had a twin brother. Warner said she sought help from various adoption websites to try to find her long-lost brother. Everyone kept coming up with nothing because we didn't have a name to go by or anything like that, she says. Warner said the big break came when she obtained local voting records with a list of three men who shared her birthday. The third uh, name on the list, Mike Jackman, stood out because he was a high school classmate who had she had only very recently committed with on Facebook, and uh, they paired a DNA test, and uh, obviously came out as a match. So they ended up being their twin, their long lost twin. Could brother. you imagine how weird that would be? No. H- how did they get separated? How did that happen? It happens a lot of times. People can only care for one baby, or if you send a kid to adoption, like yeah, I wonder if they, you know, if their parents were unsuitable. To, that happens you know, a lot. You and see maybe that they, a lot. they maybe they got split foster care system or yeah. something like that. Yeah. That's sad. Well, it's awesome that they reconnected. It's, it's cool that they reconnected, at least. I guess that was a good news story. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, what is the big topic for the day? So, big topic for the day, government cover-ups. Yep, we're going to get into a very big, deep, a late-night deep dive into <laughs> government cover-ups. So, I, I, I guess mine is a government cover-up, not plural, singular. Yeah, I've got a couple that I'm ready to talk about. Yeah, I, I kind of just took one specific one and just kind of dove into it. Sure. And before we get too deep into this, we got to kind of explain that, number one, as we talked about in our Alien episodes a little bit, there's a lot going on with the government that doesn't that isn't public knowledge. Yes. There's a lot that happens that doesn't necessarily involve elected politicians. There's a lot that happens that doesn't involve people that you've actually voted for. There's a lot that happens without oversight, and there's a lot that happens that the media doesn't talk about. And that's a big problem that I'm starting to discover in my research, is things happen, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't get publicity. Like, something could happen. If nobody's talking about it, it's almost like it didn't happen. Exactly. You know? And the government is very, very, very good at hiding shit. And they're very good at kind of propelling the media one way or another. Mm-hmm. And it's not always elected officials doing it. It's not always people that you know to be government people doing this. It's oftentimes people behind the scenes that are nameless gray faces, basically, who really have a lot of control. Right. So we're going to get into some government cover-ups. And at least from my perspective on the things I'm going to talk about, everything that I'm going to talk about is truth. Yes. It came out in declassified documents. So I don't know where your angle is going to be. I'll discuss it, but if you, if you want to start off with one, go right ahead. All right, so the first one I'm going to dive into is the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Is that something you're familiar with? Mm-mm. The Gulf of Tonkin incident was, it happened in, it was August 2nd and it was August 4th, so two separate days in 1964. And the Gulf of Tonkin is off the coast of Vietnam, kind of in the South, Southeast Asia. So you got Vietnam, you got Laos, you got Cambodia, and you got Thailand all right there. You know what? I think I have heard about this. And then Burma's the fifth country kind of in the area, or Myanmar. you may know it as Myanmar now. It'll always be Burma to me. Anyways, Gulf of Tonkin incident. 
basically the Vietnam War started with basically the North Vietnamese and the South Vietnamese. The Americans backed the South Vietnamese yes. against the communist-backed North Vietnam. We didn't there wasn't really any authority for the United States to be going to war in Vietnam. It was very controversial even back then. It was very controversial. Oh yeah. So the war stretched roughly between years like 1964 and 1975. It was a very long span of us having troops in Vietnam. But we were present there before that. There was a lot of military presence in Vietnam. The whole thought behind the whole thing was that basically there was a whole red scare going on. There was like a, they, they believe basically, and there's a term for it. I can't remember what the term was, but they were trying to prevent any country from going communist. Yes. The United States thought it was their duty to militarily intervene anytime a country might be turning communist. Yeah. So with a lot of that had to do with the Korean war as well. Yeah. That's a, it's the same. It's a, it's a extension of the same thing. Yeah. So most people didn't want to go to war in Vietnam because it was the opposite end of the world. Nobody really cared what was going on. They go communist. So what basically mm-hmm. was the attitude of a lot of Americans. Foreign policy advisors were trying to convince American government to not take that side, to go to war. Yeah. So when Lyndon Johnson became president, he was a proponent of going to war in Vietnam. But they didn't have they didn't have anything to very really prompt it. There wasn't any there wasn't any reason for the United States to be there. They were just kind of hanging around there. Mm-hmm. The Gulf of Tonkin incident was an alleged attack on an American ship in the Gulf, basically, by North Vietnamese that gave whoever was running the show evidence to go to Congress to say, hey, we need to intervene. Yeah. The incident never actually happened. What they said happened that started the whole thing was fabricated. Yeah, I have heard of this. And it didn't come out until, well, it was talked about immediately because a lot of people were like, yeah, this this whole attack on this destroyer never actually happened because there were no American casualties. So they're like, how could there be an attack when there was no damage and there was no casualties? It wasn't, we have no evidence that they shot missiles at us, basically. Mm-hmm. In 2005, it finally came out. They finally declassified the documents to say that, hey, you know, it's true that this didn't actually happen. But it's that was absolutely insane. That was what they needed. That's what they needed. That's what it all built up to to get in the Vietnam War right. happening. And you think of how many people that died there. Thousands. That was a cultural that, that defined the culture in the late 60s and early 70s was the Vietnam War. Yep. All because of this thing that didn't actually happen, the Gulf of Tonkin incident. It's absolutely insane. Now, granted, they probably would have come up with some reason to go in because the forces that be wanted to go in. Yeah. They, they, they would have found some way to get in there some way. But still, it's ridiculous to think that the government had to basically fabricate this whole thing to send how many people, and a lot of them got drafted into the service. Like, yep. It, it's insane. So. And, yeah, the Vietnam War was first for a lot of shit. Basically, the first televised war. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, that was funny was they had, like, a scoreboard up where it was how many troops died on either side, and they would advertise this on the news. They'd be like, well, they killed 5,000 Vietnam people today, and only 100 U.S. soldiers died or whatever. And that would be, like, a daily scoreboard. It would be, like, a daily scoreboard. It's insane. Absolutely then, insane. But they were counting they were counting body parts for Vietnam and they were only counting dog tag soldiers for Americans. Yeah. So it looked like we were killing so many more Vietnamese people than <laughs> they were killing us. And then people were like, Well shit, we've killed eighteen million of their people. <laughs> How are there any left at this point? Right. Anyways, that's the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Very shady. Right. Very problematic, to say the least. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty incredible the lengths that the government will go to 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 uh to accomplish what they want to do. Exactly. Do you have any uh any cover ups you want to talk about today? Yeah, I have one big story. Okay. So um 
I learned about this listening to my uh, conspiracy theory podcast, right? And now the thing about this is, is this is not a conspiracy theory. Everything about this, there's plenty of evidence. It's it's absolutely true. Sure. All of it. I mean, there were lawsuits, class action lawsuits, everybody that was involved, all this shit. And yeah, we'll, we'll be getting into that later. But have you ever heard of the Walter E. School for the Feeble-Minded? I mean, Walter E. Fernald School for the Feeble-Minded. No, I have not heard of that. Yeah. So some pretty messed up shit happened at this at this school. Uh, so at first, when this when this school was first built, it was actually built with really good intentions. It was built in the late 1880s, 1888, in Boston, Massachusetts. And the the guy that started it was named his name was Samuel Howe, and it, it was actually first called the Experimental School for Teaching and Training Idiotic Children. Idiotic children. Yeah, that's what they called it back then. Different time. <laughs> You know, and probably a um, better time, honestly. And Samuel Howe, he, he believed that with proper training and teaching, uh, that the mentally, uh, mentally feeble-minded people or disabled people could live uh, decent lives in society. That they could, you know, be productive in society. Sure. Right. And um, so starting out, you know, the school was pretty productive. And after uh, Howe died, it relocated to Walfin, Massachusetts. And it was this huge, big complex. It was like 196 acres, 72 buildings. And um, even when they moved, they had like good shop and trade schools. You know, children did um, chores and they cooked. And uh, But at the turn of the 20th century... A lot of shit changed. Okay. Because you know what happened at the turn of the 20th century was the big eugenics movement. Uh Uh-oh. And for people that don't know what eugenics are is eugenics is basically the process of improving the human species by selectively mating people with specific desirable hereditary traits. Highly controversial. Like I would would not have been allowed to exist. Yes. So, you know, they basically took a lot of vulnerable people and deemed them as undesirable. And they basically took advantage of these people, put them in different uh, systems and schools and it was re- really bad time really sure. bad time sure and these schools practice discrimination and you know under the facade that it was good for society okay parents were like, during this time parents were told to abort kids if they had signs of birth defects and uh, kids with undesirable characteristics were sent to these schools like for for Nald. Yes. So in the 20s, um, the third intendant, so that's when the, the name of the school changed. In the 1920s, it was Walter E. Fernald. It changed from experimental school for teaching and yeah, 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 you know, yeah. to the Walter E. Fernald School for the Feeble-Minded. Okay. He basically used the eugenics movement to uh, start a new legacy. He, he did not believe that people of the feeble mind or with mental disabilities or something, anything, or even like muscular dystrophy, shit like that. He didn't think that any of these people could do well in society. Okay. He didn't think any of that shit. He 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 thought completely separate of what Samuel Howe thought, which is a shame. Yeah, which is which is very sad. And he basically thought that these kids shouldn't reproduce, or any of these people shouldn't reproduce. Fernald School did just didn't have children. They had you know older people as well. Okay. But we're going to focus on what happened with the kids there. Okay. So he got as many people into his facility as possible so that they wouldn't reproduce. And he basically forced these kids to do like child labor and work extraneous hours uh, producing things like in uh, growing crops and shit like that. Okay. And he would send all the, you know, the products that they made to the government free of charge, basically. So who was financing this whole thing? The government. The government the state. was? This, this was actually the first state-run school for the mentally disabled. No. 
shit. Yes. Okay. And so now during this eugenics movement in the early 20s, the state literally told, the state literally gave faulty IQ tests to people so that they could be admitted into these facilities. The, the people that they thought would not do good in society. Sure. Not like actual good result of tests, but they gave faulty IQ tests, uh, really hard to, uh, really hard tests to kids that were like split in foster care and they didn't really have, they were just, they were just basically behind in school basically. So they were trying, they were, they were stretching the limits as to who they accepted yes. and they were accepting people that never should have even. Exactly. Okay. And social workers, police and politicians, they were all in on this shit. Really? That's crazy. Yes. So now we jump to like the 1940s and 50s. So the 1940s and 50s, almost 40% of all the people at Fernald School for the Feeble-Minded were high functioning and they weren't mentally disabled at all. Really? Yeah. And they were kept in the school for uh, for free labor. They would, without pay, and they would basically do all the cooking, all the custodian work, everything. They would be in the fields from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. with no break, no nothing. And the school, the, the education was absolutely terrible. It was some of the teachers that went there. They didn't have they didn't have books. They yeah, it was terrible. That's insanity. And it, it was it was worse than average public school in the inner city. Right, sure. Type shit. Sure. So basically, these kids were imprisoned, and they were made to help kids with mental disorders and shit like that, cerebral palsy. They don't know how to handle these kids. Like yeah. ki- kids handling kids with mental disabilities, they don't, they don't know how to handle this shit. Kids were behind on their education levels. School days were half as long as normal school days, so they weren't getting properly educated. And they basically abused these kids. A lot of the attendees, like the people that were running it, they would sexually abuse them. They uh, this this one guy, his name was McGinn. Uh, he would parental advisory for kids. Uh, he would like smack them and abuse them with these keys he had like these big chain of keys and he would torture the kids with these keys man absolutely insane that's terrible very terrible and this is just like the background of the fernald school i'm gonna oh, I'm, god I, yeah I'm, we're I'm, not even I'm, into the thing yet i'm gonna be getting oh, into geez. the government cover-up here so you're gonna guess the cold war is coming up right well yeah 50s 40s and late 40s early 50s that's cold yep. war yep. so the cold war is coming around and so the, the the new superintendent of this place his name was dr uh, malcolm farrell and all he cared about was getting government funding for this thing and opening the doors to uh, researchers and shit like that. Can I stop you real quick? Yeah. You've just brought up the biggest aspect of this whole thing is people in charge of these types of things. Yes. And it extends far beyond a school for the mentally challenged. It extends into every aspect of anything that could possibly be government funded. That's a singular goal of so many people is to secure that government funding. Right. Because there's so much money coming in that you don't really have to do anything for as long as you can prove that you deserve it. Right. So I'm just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. That's that's the whole, that's a big part of everything that we're going to talk about. Right. Throughout the series, basically. Right. And he stuck a lot of deals with a lot of different researchers and shit like that. Yes. And during the Cold War, you know, everybody was just fat. They were fixated on scientific investment at this point. Yep. The whole country and mainly the government. Sure. And so Farrell opened the doors for basically a bunch of people, scientists to come in and do experiments. And obviously they use these kids as guinea pigs it's terrible this thing is insane so the school had a um had a scientist from germany and his name was uh clemens e benda you ever hear of him from germany i have not yeah so he he ran a lab at Farrell, and this guy (laughs) his subjects he would basically take the people that have died at fernald and he would do these experiments on them and he would keep them in like glass jars and shit so he'd do experiments on the bodies yes okay 
But the subjects weren't limited to the dead. He would do all kinds of experiments on a lot of the vulnerable kids and, and uh, sometimes grown, grown adults that would be there. And then he would make the kids help him clean his lab. And the kids would literally see, like, the spines of their dead friends in his lab. Just absolutely insane. It sounds like something out of, like... <laughs> I know. Like a, like a Rob Zombie movie or something. Yeah. Like, holy hell. Right. And the attendants running the place... They would threaten these kids if they were misbehaving. They would threaten them and say, you're going to end up in Dr. Benda's lab if you keep acting up like this. I mean, this place was absolutely, absolutely terrible. I wish we had a video camera in here right now just videotaping my face <laughs> reacting to all this shit. I know, Because man. I don't know. And at the time, Senator JFK, uh, he said that, you know, people with intellectual disabilities, they need to be handled with more care and, uh, you know, they need to be handled more delicately and shit like that. So Farrell let volunteers in. And they basically tried to get rid of the term feeble-minded okay, and call them something else that didn't sound as offensive. But these changes didn't change any of the way the kids were treated at this facility That's or terrible. anyone else. That's yeah. terrible. So now we're going to get into the government cover-up of this shit. Right. So in the 1940s and 50s, a group of boys were subjected to harmful radiation experiments because the government was fearful of a nuclear attack by the Soviet Union. Obviously. Yep. What they did was... So they had, so you ever heard of the AEC, the Atomic Energy Commission? You know, I can't say that I have, but I probably have. Yeah, it hasn't been around in a while. They they got rid of it a while ago. But the Atomic Energy Commission uh, and uh, researchers from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, they tricked uh, a group of boys into uh, joining a science club, quote unquote, and they fed them radioactive oatmeal. And tricked them, and, and tracked their, and tracked the um the radiation through their body to see how it would react with their body. And the, all of this was government funded. Now the reason that it was in conspiracy theories because Quaker Oats was involved with this as well. I'm gonna be getting into quote Quaker Oats. Um, so Quaker Oats, they were under a lot of scrutiny at this time because there was this certain type of acid that was in their um oats. They're under a lot of flack because apparently this type of acid was diminishing the amount of calcium and iron you were supposed to be getting in their product. And that was the whole point of their product. Yes, definitely. So they wanted to run an experiment on these kids to see to track the the amount of iron and calcium that was that they were going to be getting from their oats. And the government basically used that as an excuse to track the radiation through these kids. And they they basically used that as the cover up, which is absolutely insane. That's crazy. And so the Fernald and the MIT and the staff they were literally paid by the government and, and, and covered it up because Quaker Oats wanted to see if the acids in the food affected the body, and they used these radioactive tracers. Yep. Now, radioactive tracers are used today, but in a very minute fashion because, you know, they're used to see how things track through the body. You know, they, they use them in hospitals and things like that. But the amount of radiation that these kids were subjected to is absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. So the AEC, they're home to the biggest radiation genetics programs in the entire world, right? Yes. So... They were already known for doing this shit. So th th these were the portions that these kids were subjected to every day. So the kids consumed lar large portions of oatmeal every day exposed to 544 to 1,024 millirems of radiation over a course of seven meals. So in comparison, typical people, you know, walking through your everyday life, normal Americans are usually exposed to about 300 millirems a year. A year? A year. Okay, so in one week, these kids ate equivalent to 50 chest x-rays of radiation, and they had absolutely no idea. 50 chest x-rays. That's insanity. 
Yeah, that's terrible. And um, multiple groups, I think it was a total of like 90, 90, 92 or so children that were subjected to these experiments until 1956. So they ran this from the early late 40s to early 50s to 1956. They were running these experiments. And uh, and after they were done, they had the MIT and Quaker Oats had the audacity to come out and said that their study was successful and the kids still got a good level of iron and calcium in their oats. What happened to the kids? I'm assuming nothing good happened to them. So what happened was so the the um the story in the podcast follows a couple people that were at the institute i'm not going to get into their whole story okay but basically um a lot of the kids you know they started like a revolution in the place because a lot of them realized that they didn't need to be there yeah and um a lot of and they had like doctors and psychiatrists come in and they were just like why the hell are these kids here and a lot of them were released they didn't find out till 40 years later that they were subjected to radiation because they one of the guys heard it on the radio that at the Fernald school they were subjected to these radiation experiments and they didn't find out till 40 years later in like i think it was the 90s right that'd be the 90s? no the 70s 50 if we're talking 40 so it'd be 40 the 90, to 80 50 to 90 yeah so, so it was the 90 yeah yeah, the, yeah it was the 90s and there was a big class action lawsuit and Quaker Oats only paid out like 1.8 million to to these to these people all the people got like maybe 60,000 each from this and they all die relatively young like the one a couple of them died in like their 60s yeah from a lot of from different cancers and shit like that it was absolutely terrible and all this was government funded all of it that's insanity and that might be that's a pretty extreme case yeah but i'm surprised when i read some of these books the one book i read uh last month was called the trillion dollar conspiracy by jim mars Mm -hmm. uh, which jim mars is an author that i I, he's dead now but i kind of like his process of evaluating stuff. He didn't talk about that specific, at least as far as I'm concerned, that specific story. But there's a whole bunch of situations where companies and the government kind of get together. Yeah. And do these, there's just, they make these, they jump to these ridiculous conclusions. Yeah. Like, go ahead. How can you, how, how could anybody ever sign off on putting oatmeal or putting radiation in oatmeal or radioactive particles in oatmeal and giving it to kids? Like, Well, they just thought it was justified because these kids were feeble-minded. And a lot of them, just, they weren't. They were not feeble-minded. Yeah. They were just a little behind because of the way they grew up or the whole eugenics thing. But even if you're or, feeble-minded, it doesn't give the government it, it, the right exactly. to put it, it's radioactive the, right. oatmeal in your body. It doesn't give like, them any right to do that shit. And towards the end of the episode that I listened to, and I also looked into a little bit of the, the AEC as well, and they did a lot of other radiation experiments um, in the public after this and they were they're eventually shut down yeah and they did radiation experiments in a lot of uh poor neighborhoods and uh, vulnerable communities to see what would a nuclear fallout look like and what would happen so they basically just they basically like put radiation into the air and let's let them these communities a, a big story about that happened in st louis and a lot of these a lot of people came up with these ridiculous cancers that not a lot of people like people would have four or five different types of cancers yeah and it was absolutely insane. You should look into the a- the AEC and the type of experiments they did in the on the public. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna write that down real quick. The Atomic Energy Commission, and there was also they also did an experiment um, on pregnant women in uh, at Vanderbilt University. And really, Vanderbilt University actually came out years later through a class a- class action lawsuit and said yes, all this shit happened. And they they basically tested this radiation uh, on how it, it would affect the baby and who would get more of it and shit like that. I don't remember all the specific of it but they basically admitted to it and they paid a bunch of you know a bunch of women and their families now did the women know about what was going on prior no. 
they didn't know. I don't believe they did. I don't. Like, I can't imagine not, anybody. Not I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Who the hell is going <laughs> to sign up for? Okay, we're going to see if your baby is going to be exposed to radiation. Like nobody right. who would sign up for that. Right. I can't imagine anybody would. And what was really fucked up about what happened at the Fernald School was that they had like visitations like once a month, like like parents and shit could come. Sure. But like most of them didn't have anybody to visit. Because a lot of them came up out of the foster care. A lot of them came up out of, you know, horrible situations with their parents. So a lot of them never had visitors. So they had nobody to confide in and nobody to, what's the word I'm looking for? To hold the system accountable? No, uh, no consent to do any of these experiments. The the kids got, they did not consent to any of this. They knew nothing about it. I guess a kid in the foster care system, like, it's a ward of the state, basically. Yeah. And if you're a ward of the state and the state's funding this experiment. And they, they told these kids, you know, joining this science club, that they would be rewarded. That they would, you know, they, they took them to, like, baseball games, had Christmas parties, because they were so happy about getting out of Fernald, spending time outside of the building, that they were like, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, I'll, I'll do this science club thing. Yeah. For sure. And they were totally tricked. That's insane. It's absolutely terrible. And the one thing we got to comment on real quick, and it's, you, you were kind of leading into this, is back then, the whole mental illness thing was such a terrible taboo. Ugh. And families would be normal, and they'd give up their disabled kid. They would just put them into the system, basically, yeah. just to save face, just to make it look like you're the perfect 1950s right. white picket fence household. And one thing I have to bring up, because a famous family that did this type of thing was the Kennedys. I don't know if you ever heard about the JFK's sister mm. that had brain, some sort of brain problem. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It was something specific. It might have been, uh, I don't know, schizophrenia or something. It was something specific. And the, they, the family went so far as that for lobotomized i don't know if you knew that mm. yeah it's a huge huge controversy they kept her really quiet because they didn't want her marring the perfect kennedy family name wow. they went so far to have her lobotomized could you imagine she eventually got institutionalized and i i don't i can't remember what the hell I, i'm pretty sure she's dead by this point i didn't even know he had a sister yeah well they try to keep it under wraps i'm sure yeah apparently well i'll have to look into that I don't understand what kind of rationale had to have been going on for people to decide that a lobotomy was a good idea at any point in time. And speaking of lobotomy, they, they threatened lobotomy on these kids at, 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 if they were acting up at, at, the, at the school of Fernald. That's terrible. I mean, when I when I listened to this, when I listened to that pod, when I, I first listened to it like probably like six months ago. Sure. So when we discussed government cover-ups, I'm like, I got to do the school of Fernald. Yeah, definitely. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I I never even heard of this thing until I until I listened to that podcast. And what what's that podcast called again? It's just called Conspiracy Theories. Okay. And the reason I chose this one is because they basically take all the evidence that they have and they rate their conspiracy theory. And they rate this one ten out of ten because there's just so much evidence to support uh, the whole Quaker Oats and MIT and uh, government collusion. And it's 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 absolutely insane. There's so much. I mean, it's basically all true. Yeah. Uh, when me and Ben break down, we have a specific style that we like to talk about so if you want to hear more about that check out that podcast we don't really we do we do our breakdowns a little bit differently than mm-hmm. a lot of people do but be sure to check out conspiracy theories for a little bit of a oh yeah yeah They're, we like to cite our sources oh yes definitely anyways do you have anything more about no man that that that's all that's all i have that's what i have for government sorry it took a little bit no that's okay because that ties in a lot with my next one i only got one more that i want to break down i started researching and there's so much out there so the next one I got to cover is called MK Ultra. 
Oh, man. I'm sure you've heard about this one. I have heard about this one. In short, this was a CIA mind control experiment project. They did a whole bunch of stuff between the years of 1953 and 1973, officially. Because the CIA, we talked about it, got it founded in 1947. Between the years of 1953 and 1973, the CIA somehow gave themselves license to experiment on American citizens and even Canadian citizens without them knowing what was going on. They did things like isolation treatments where they just lock somebody up and see what would happen, torture experiments, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. But the biggest one was LSD. Mm-hmm. They would find some guy, not tell him what was going on, never gain consent. Usually they would just round up somebody or they'd dig somebody out of a prison or out of a hospital and give them drugs, basically, or do all these ridiculous things with them and never tell them what was going on. Real quick, as real quick. Sure. There is a theory out there that the reason the government made like LSD and all and that type in those hallucinogens illegal is because they opened the mind so much and that people could become like really smart on LSD and they didn't want them to do that. Is that you think that's true? I've heard that theory before. Ah, uh, it wouldn't surprise me honestly. I, I'm sure the CIA found that out in their experiments. Because like with LSD, there's the danger is only in what you're gonna do on the drug. It's not really like the chemical's not gonna kill you or anything. Right. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I'll have to look into it more, but I have I've heard that before. That's why it's illegal. They didn't, you know. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So I know that definitely definitely makes you think differently. Well, di- different oh, drugs yeah. just make you think differently. Yeah. But so with this whole MK Ultra thing, the problem with it is it incorporated up to thirty different universities were parts of these experiments. Doing either usually like a psycho- psychology department or some department, they'd say, "You ever call up? Hey, we need you to do this thing. We're gonna fund it." A lot of times, people are just gonna sign up for that because hey, that's funding. That gets money into the university. That's money into my pocket basically that's how a lot of these funding projects work is you get paid to do this type of shit Mm -hmm. the problem is that there wasn't much in the way of medical oversight or scientific oversight with a lot of these studies so the cia if the cia was there they were just doing their own thing or they were telling people to do their own thing without anybody saying hey this is a problem or hey we're we're crossing the ethics line (sighs) there was no ethics line established with there is no line (laughs) And what's crazy about it is in 1973, they had to shut the program down because too many people started to say, hey, you know, there's been a lot of shady shit going on, basically, because this was going on all across the country. And people knew that the government was doing this type of thing. And that's where a lot of the weird, like the weird conspiracy theories kind of stem from is these weird guys in the suits dragged me to this laboratory in the middle of nowhere. Like, look at, have you ever seen the show Stranger Things? I I haven't seen the whole first season, but I know what you're talking about. And yeah, like that, that kind of ties into it, like the weird isolated lab with the weird isolated people and someone yep. breaks out type of a thing uh eventually they they caught they caught whiff of it and the cia director at the time who was named richard helms was a cia director in 1973 ordered all the files destroyed of course so they didn't get everything obviously and then by 1977 they had a senate hearing about it because they had they, they were able to recover some of the files basically but it's insanity like how is the cia allowed to even operate after this like and the files didn't get completely declassified. More got declassified in 2001, and then in 2018 there were even more that got declassified. And you, you said uh, you said this is basically mind control. Basically mind control, but it was a lot of psychological experiments, like obviously LSD, different types of prison techniques, uh, torture techniques. Did they use any type of like biological like wep- like weapon technique? Not in my research, but I wouldn't like to me. It's just they they probably they probably use this under the facade. As as some type of weapon against foreign enemies, how could we mind control foreign enemies? Like, it's very possible. You know, that's that's what I would think. You know, at one point in then the 2018 uh, declassification, there were documents that came out that said that they had like a they 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 put an implant in a dog and they were able to control the dog. Mm-hmm. 
they're able to make it walk back and forth and do all these things just with a radio impulse. It's insane. Like it's it's all about power control. They want to be able to control everybody. But it's everything. also about a lack of oversight because the American public didn't vote for this. Exactly. They were funding it. You were funding they were funding nope. it with their hard earned tax dollars. Nobody oh, yeah. voted for this. Nobody would ever vote for this. Could you imagine exactly. if this was on a ballot, MK Ultra? And you know, you have to think, are these experiments being ran today? Exactly. Of course they are. I believe they are. I think 100%. they are too. Because all the weird shit that goes on, there's so much out there that and even even uh like the NSA, yeah. like when Edward Snowden was working for them, mm-hmm. he had to classify or he found all these files about their spy techniques, like how they're spying on our phones. Yep. And they're spying on our computers, and they're keeping records of everything. I mean, that, so, that's that been known for a while. Have you seen the movie Enemy of the State? I have not. Very good movie. Yeah. It's got Will Smith. Really good movie. It's about the government spying on you. It's really yeah. good. It's really good. And, I mean, they knew about it, but he was able to, like, break it down, break it down basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Produce, produce files. And what's funny about him, i got to slow this one in real quick, was with Edward, Edward Snowden, he claims that there's no UFOs because he thinks he would have found the files, mm-hmm. which I find that hard to believe because he was only in one database. And there's no way that they gave him access to the entire database. No, they definitely have evidence of UFOs. Yeah, for sure. So I think he's kind of talking out of his ass when he says that. I think he probably had access to some sensitive materials, but there's no way they're just going to give one random guy access. Right. Like, he could be the greatest hacker in the world. If he's on the wrong network, it's not going to matter. So. Right. Anyways, what else you got today? I don't really have anything else. I'm waiting for my damn phone to load so I can know who else was in that movie. Oh, uh, Enemy of the State? Yeah. It's a, uh, 1998 movie. Uh, 72 on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. Oh, I do have one more thing I got to add in about MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. There is a documentary. It's kind of a docu-series, I guess. It's kind of like one of those where it's a documentary, but they also like reenact stuff. Mm-hmm. It's called Wormwood on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard of it or ever seen it when you were scrolling by. Yeah, I've seen that on there. It's about MK Ultra, and it's about the guy the, the the whole story revolves around Frank Olson, who was a government employee who ended up doing one of the LSD experiments and ended up jumping to his death under the influence of that uh, LSD. And basically it follows his son, who was a kid at the time, who over his years was always trying to figure out what happened to his father because the whole story, this government story never made sense. Basically the whole family sued the government over the death because they thought, I have seen that. Okay. Is that when he ju- he jumps out of the window? Yeah. Of the hotel? Yeah. I have seen that. Okay. Yes. Anyways, it's a really, it's an interesting documentary, but what's crazy about that is they got President Ford to publicly apologize to the family over yeah, the incident. That's and that insane. was the first time a president's really done anything like that. Right. But that adds validity to what was going on. Now, Ford, the president had no idea that this was going on. Obviously. But it's crazy that they were able to at least get an omission of guilt. Wow. Now, they didn't, they never got the settlement that they wanted or deserved. But still, that adds a lot to the. I mean, this was a government cover up. There's no, there's no debating if this happened. This is, this is truth. This is fact. Right. This whole story. So, there, uh, in the in the podcast uh, that I referenced, um, towards the end of that very same episode, they give another example of. I'm pretty sure it was the AEC what they did right before they got shut down. Uh, it was more recent. They did an experiment in the New York subways about this um, bacteria with this bacteria, and they wanted they they basically wanted to simulate a uh, biochemical attack. What would happen? if like uh, uh, somebody used and, uh, Ben just I'm, made a I'm whole bunch away. he's doing a whole bunch of hand <laughs> gestures in the studio and I'm trying to put together what the hell that's about biochemical attack in the New York subways and they basically used this bacteria to track it okay and at the benefit of the doubt they didn't think that this 
bacteria was harmful to humans at all. Sure. At the time. Sure. So that's why they used it. But it ended up being that it, it did harm okay. humans. Yeah. And within a very short time, it spread from like one person to like a couple million over a course of a couple blocks, like really quickly. And all these people were infected with this bacteria during this uh, experiment. Do you remember what year this was? I'm pretty sure it was either the 80s or the 70s. Okay. That makes sense. 70s or 80s. Pretty sure. Like who's signing off on this type of stuff? I this can't be anybody no that, ha- that has a public face because no idea. nobody would ever want to sign their name to this type of thing. And you think about it too. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, there's a show, well, you, are you familiar with the whole Waco incident? Yes. And the Ruby Ridge incident, which was all ETF. Yep. yep. Like basically the, the, they fucked up with Ruby Ridge. They did some dumb stuff that they shouldn't have done. They killed a civilian basically. Yep. And to, they didn't get the funding that they wanted. So then they drummed up the whole Waco thing to kind of validate ATF's existence. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many government agencies, they're all competing with each other for federal dollars, basically. Yep. So if you're working for the agency, number one, you don't have a public face because you're not a public, you're a public servant, but you're not a public figure. Exactly. You're not elected. You're you either got hired or appointed or whatever. So they're trying to validate their existence, basically. They're trying to get that that government money. Right. They go off and they do Waco, which <laughs> like one of the <laughs> biggest modern day fuck ups. Yeah, in that was bad. American history, as far as I'm concerned. And it's funny you mentioned that. That's why the whole idea of how large the cabinet is in the United States is really concerning because you basically have a bunch of these people that are unelected and are so-called experts in their field and they're put in charge of these major institutions yeah. of our countries and you know the the president can basically just put in their friends to do this and they could put forth their agenda yeah. in any type of way they can if you really think about it I always keep an eye on who's who's doing that type of thing because you don't yeah. know I mean they're none of them are elected yeah and back then it was Janet Reno who was it the Department of... It had to have been the Department of Defense. Like, those are a given. It had to have been. But was it the Department of Defense? I don't feel like she was the head of the Department of Defense. I think she was the Attorney General. I can't remember. I think ATF falls under the Law Department, or whatever the hell that would be, which is the Attorney General at the head. Mm. I think that sounds a little bit better. Yeah, I don't probably. think ATF... I don't think ATF would be in the Department of Defense. Not sure. But, again, too, there's, the, there's so many agencies. There's so many entities. So many. So many. And they're all fighting for dollars. They all have to... You have to... If you're working for them, you're trying to keep your job, basically. So you got to do right. something that's relevant, but it also has to look good, but it also has to make your boss happy. It's it's all messed up, man. And we're funding it all of our tax dollars. Like I cringe at the amount of federal taxes. I cringe at every tax that I, taxes that I pay. But holy hell, our tax dollars are going to shit. No, one we don't have the money for. Two, we'll never know about. Three, we didn't vote for. Exactly. So it's crazy. Anyways, what else you got today? Is, are you about? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. There's an actor for Also you. stars in that. And John Voight. Is that how you say it? Yep. Everybody's talking at me. Yep. He stars in that movie. It's a really good movie. You should check it out. Oh, a Barry Pepper as well. I don't know who that is. You recognize his face. He kind of looks like a knockoff version of Christopher Walken. He does. Oh, I, Jason Lee's in that movie? I don't remember him. Remember Everybody Loves Earl? Yes. Or Everybody Hates Earl. Is that what it is? My name is Earl. My name is Earl. I'm yep. thinking of everyone... everyone what the hell am I thinking of? Yeah. But yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. Everyone loves Raymond. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, no, I like John Voight. Uh, yeah, he's good. There's a Seinfeld uh, episode where George Costanza bought a car that was owned by a guy named John Voight. It wasn't the same guy. Mm-hmm. But basically, the only evidence that they had was a pencil and a, and a name. <laughs> and the pencil had bite marks in it. And eventually, Kramer saw the real John Voight and wanted to talk to him about if he ever owned the Little Baron, the car. And John Voight didn't want to talk to him. And Kramer had his hand <laughs> in the car window, and John Voight was sitting in the car. So John Voight bit his arm. <laughs> so they, 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 they took the pencil and Kramer's arm to a dentist and tried to get see if there was a oh dental my match. God. 
But that's funny. Yeah, that's John Voigt for you. Anyways, yeah, you uh, you got anything else um, for this episode? I'm tapped out. I got what I wanted. To, oh, you know what? I got a couple things I got to talk about. Sure, go ahead. So the last couple weeks, especially, I've had to do a couple of different home repairs and car repairs that I hadn't really tackled before at at my place. Mm-hmm. The first one is I, I had a headlight out. I don't know if you saw that. You probably no, you haven't been mm-hmm. outside to see my car running. But I had a headlight out. The low beam left uh, driver's side. I keep saying left side because it's left and right at work. It's not driver and passenger. Left side headlight had was out. Hadn't replaced a headlight on my car before. I've done it a couple of times. How complicated was that procedure for you? It varies in, in every car. I, I've changed one in my truck. I've changed one in my prism. And I have actually changed one in the car I just bought. Okay, really? Yeah. Uh, complicated? Well, most recent one. Most recent one. Was it complicated? It wasn't complicated. It was just a bitch to get to. Bitch to get to. As yeah. in, what kind of stuff were you were you doing for this? So I had to pop a couple screws. I had to pop screws out and these push pins out of the uh, um, the, 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 the like the fender arrow shield. Sure. Right there, and it was just really it was just a really tight quarters, and I had, yeah. to, I had to get my arm all the way up in there, and I had to feel for this um for this cylinder type thing. Okay. And I had to screw it out one way, and I had to pull it out, and I had to maneuver this whole thing out of the area that it was in. Okay. And well, first I had to unscrew something. And then I had to pop that. Yeah. Out. So it was just it was just really tight quarters in there. Sure. But once I got it out, I, it was easy to change the bulb. Okay. Then I had to get it back in, but it was kind of hard screwing it back in because like I'm literally doing it blind. Yeah. Exactly. And but I, I got it in there. Did um, you do it in the cold weather? Yes. That's the worst part. That, is that the was worst a part. big. That's a big reason why my light changing experience was a two day affair. <laughs> <laughs> it took me. It probably took me about a half hour. So for my car, my I had my low beam was out. I had to pop the hood, take out the air filter, which that in and of itself is like really for a headlight. So you have to take the air filter out and you have to disconnect it here, disconnect it here, pull it out. And it's one of those snap-ons. So yeah. you really have to rip it out. And it's a huge, it's like the size of a basketball probably. Yeah. Big ass thing. So it's a quarter of my engine basically is out. And I'm not really a car guy. <laughs> so I'm like, should I really be doing this type of a thing? So I pop the air filter out and I'm like, shit, this is going to be an endeavor. So then you had to remove a heat shield, which the heat shield is not properly replaced at this point. And I'm watching this on YouTube <laughs> and I'm watching the guy do it on YouTube just to see what was going on. They, do it, he, they do it so easily. But he was having the same exact problems. First of all, he was also in the snow, which was funny. He was also doing it <laughs> in the cold and he was like, this is ridiculous. I hate working on cars, dude. Yeah. So he was able to maneuver his heat shield out. Mine just popped right out. So I had to clip it back on real quick. And then you have to take off the cap, unscrew the bulb, pop the bulb out. So my dumb ass is think, here's the word low beam. Cause I knew it was my low beam that was out. I'm thinking, well, if it's a low beam, it's the lower of the two lights. Cause they're at an angle. <laughs> <laughs> so I pop the bulb out oh my God. and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, this doesn't look burned out at all. Cause usually you can tell when a car lights out. Sometimes you can't. When I changed mine, mine looked brand new. I'm like, really? how the hell is this out? So I'm looking at it and I'm going back in the car and my hands are freezing at this point. So yeah. I was in the car to warm my hands up and I'm looking through the manual and I'm watching the video and I'm turning my lights on and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. The light's not turning on. I didn't do anything with the other lamp. So I'm assuming that that was, that had to have been the one that was out. <laughs> that ended up being my high beam and then it took me 20 minutes because i'm trying to pop it off and i don't know how to take that high beam off so i'm assuming number one i'm a dumbass i don't know how to take the light off number two i'm thinking i bought the wrong light bulb because i ordered the low beam i'm thinking I, I just ordered the wrong one i somehow messed this order process up so i get on my phone i order new lights for the oh my god <laughs> for the high beam and then at that point i I was like, well, this isn't happening today. I put the filter back in, made sure the car still ran. It still runs fine, so. 
Oh I attached God. it properly, and I'm like, I'm going to have to wait for the new light to come back. Later on, I'm doing some thinking, and I'm like, I had to have, I think I bought the right bulb after all, because I'm watching that video again. I'm watching it over and over, trying to figure out where I went wrong. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I think I did buy the right, I think I was in the wrong area of the car. So the next day I go out there, pop the air filter back out, which <laughs> at this point, <laughs> I've been doing it so many times that it's it's second nature at this point. So it's boom, 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 pull the hose out, pop the thing out, boom, pull it out, set of the side, get the heat shield out of the way, grab the thing, pop the bulb up. Okay, yep, this bulb is, is the wrong is the right one. Definitely burn out. Pop it out, put the light in, put everything back together, and I'm good. <laughs> so at this point I'm happy, but now I've got these new light bulbs on the way. So I've got three light bulbs sitting on my counter right now that I'm assuming the next one's gonna go soon, the other low beam's gonna go, because usually when one goes, the next goes. Right. So I'm waiting for that to go bad. And the next one I, I gotta go through the damn wheel well. <laughs> so i'm looking forward yeah. i'm looking forward to this operation because that's the passenger side so that was fun uh the second repair i had was on my fridge i don't know do you have have you ever had that fridge where you get the water out of your yes out of the fridge this is new for me this is we my, don't use ours okay i haven't been using mine either i, use I need it. a new filter well this is what i'm going to describe for you I, we never had one growing up, so the one at my house, the when, after my fire, the, the new fridge is the first fridge I've ever had that does that. Right. So it was kind of cool, but then I saw the, the the filter light started going on, and I'm like, I'm not going to change the filter, so I just haven't been using it right. for a while. I decided to finally get around to fixing that, and I'm like, this is going to be a pretty easy operation. I mean, it can't <laughs> be that bad. So I ordered the filter. The filter came in. Everything looked great. The filter, all you got to do is open it up, pop it out, pull it back in, yeah. pop it back in. So it's not that big of a deal. Also, I don't have anything in my fridge because I don't have any food at home so it wasn't like i had to clear out room or anything so yeah. that was pretty easy the problem is is every time you change out a water filter you have to purge the pipes and you have to purge it through so you have to run a whole bunch of water through the system to clear out what the, all the gunk whenever there's always right. some like black shit that pops out and whatever yeah when we were kids we had the little the little drinking faucet yeah we didn't use it forever but i remember my father would show us how to change the filter and whatnot and you need to run it and the water would go through but on a sink you can just leave the you can flip the switch and just leave it yeah. I want to do its thing. On the fridge, you can't really get away with doing that because you have to hold the button down. Yes. You also have to have so- something to put the water <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, dude. So it said it said you have to wait five minutes or two, ga- <laughs> or two gallons worth of water. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like, how the fuck am I going to do this? <laughs> so... Uh, my it was i'm doing this i always do this stuff at like midnight on like a weekend yeah so i'm like okay we're gonna have to figure this one out i'm looking around and i'm like i don't have anything big enough i had like a big like a like a punch bowl like a mixing bowl i'm looking at that and i'm like number one how am i gonna hold it how am i gonna angle it because i don't have a funnel or anything the ideal thing would be to have a stick that you're po- you're poking it with and a funnel and you're just funneling it down i don't got either of those you don't have like a five gallon bucket well what i had was my recycling bin and I like to I like to wash out my recycling bin regularly. Yeah. So it was it was due for a bath basically. So I'm like, well, there's my receptacle. Now how the hell am I gonna hold it and get it into the little <laughs> thing? Uh, I was able to basically wedge it into the thing and pull the button down. So I'm sitting there and I'm holding it. And I'm like, I got to do this for five minutes. So I'm standing there and of course I'm getting bored. And then it's starting to get heavier. And as it gets heavier, it bows out. So I, I can't <laughs> yeah. hold the button down. But it's too heavy. It's two gallons of the water I got empty. So you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to balance that and hold it upright and keep your button your hand on the thing. Right. Because it's not like it's an easy thing to hold. It's not like it's a Whatever. So that was that was a 30-minute operation to get five <laughs> gallons worth of water out. And then I forgot about my ice tray, and I had a full thing of ice, so I had to dump that shit out. But how, how five minutes, like... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty unreasonable. <laughs> it's unreasonable. <laughs> and I got to do this every six months now, so... 
Oh my god! Hopefully, I come up with a better procedure by then. <laughs> Get like a hose and just like yeah, or a, atta- attach think, it to the to the take it all the way to the damn sink. I think if you yeah, if you tape if you if you have duct tape or something, you could tape the handle down yeah with a funnel and just funnel it wherever basically. That'd be an easier way. Right. But I'm sitting there leaning against the fridge, holding the, <laughs> the damn button down, trying to, <laughs> trying to get this shit out. Eventually, I made it happen, but holy hell. The third one, and I fucked this one up too, is I had to get new windshield wipers. Again, I had to replace the windshield wipers on the car. Now, windshield wipers are pretty easy, and this was the easiest of the three They are easy to replace. But again, I was doing this after work at 4 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> in the dark, when, when it was like negative, it was like zero degrees out. So I was I was pushing the thing. I was trying to get the, because mine, you have to pop the thing out and open it up and slip the hook and then hook it in and then clamp it all together. The wipers themselves were frozen. So I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. I'm trying not to break anything. That took me probably an hour to figure, <laughs> to figure that out. But it was cold out, so my hands would get cold. Right. Anyways, I'm a complete debacle. Like, I can usually figure things out. Right. But the process to get there... <laughs> rough i need to do a youtube channel where it's just me <laughs> me unscripted just trying to solve a problem basically so there's a lot of me talking to myself a lot of me swearing to myself yep a lot of me i hate working on cars dude it's the worst yeah it's it's different and then there's a lot of me walking around with various tools like i at one point i had like a pocket knife out for the fridge thing i was gonna do something with that so that was oh my gosh it was yeah I, I'm still recuperating from that. I kind of have a ridiculous story real quick. Okay, let's listen. So, Monday, fresh new day of work, yada, 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 new week. I'm like, I'm going to work all week this week. No canvassing. I got no pick days, nothing. I right? like it. I like it. So, I get to work, doing my normal routine. I put my keys in the front. So, I'm still in the car. I turn off the car every day. I put my keys in my book bag pocket, the front slot. Okay. Okay, because I don't, I don't like shit in my pockets. Okay. It's just how I am. Yeah. And every day... I grab my backpack with my keys in my backpack. I put it on my shit, on my shoulder, and I walk out of my car, right? Sure. Somebody pulls up next to me, like, really close, right? So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to carry my backpack this time getting out of my car. I'm going to get out myself, and I'm going to run around to the other side of my car so I don't hit their car when I get out. I don't want my, oh, okay. I don't, I don't yeah. want my backpack scraping their window yeah. or something like that. I, I, I do the same thing. You know, they, they park too damn close to me, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. So I was going to walk around to the other side, right? Sure. I get out of my car, close my door. My passenger door went open. I'm like, oh, shit, this door is locked. I walk around to the other side. That damn door is locked. I'm like, oh, no. I'm literally at work. All my shit is in my car besides my phone. Thank God I had my phone on me, right? So I have all my shit in my car, lunch, a charger, earbuds, everything, sweatshirt, all that shit. Everything's in my car. I'm like, God damn it. I was so pissed. So I don't have any other choice but to go into work. Yeah. Because I can't just wait out there. I have 20 minutes till the line starts. Yeah. And I, I, have, I have to go in. I have to go in. Sure. And with the new COVID rules is I can't just go back out on break. They're going to make me go all the way down, walk all the way down to HR, do all this bullshit to get back into the plant. They're not just going to let me go through the, the turnstile. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, all right, no big deal. I'm going to call Paige. We have our spare keys hanging up in the same spot all the time. We never use them. We never we never really use them. The last time I used them was like a month or two ago. Sure. Never have to use them, right? They're hanging up in the same spot every damn day. So I go to call Paige. She doesn't answer. Her phone's dead. I'm like, 
God damn it. I'm like, all right, no big deal. I call my mother. I was like, this might work out better so Paige doesn't have to pack the baby up. Yada, yada, yada. So I call my mother. I was like, hey, can you run over to my house? Paige ain't answering her phone. Can you get your uh, spare keys, my spare keys, and just run to work, open my car, get my shit out, and just hand it to me through the turnstile? That's what I was going to have her do, right? Sure. I don't hear anything back from I call her. I tell her that shit. She's like, okay, I'll head over there. I don't hear anything from anyone for like a half hour. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Okay, where are they at? Still haven't hear from Paige. So Paige calls me. I'm like, hey, my, is my mom there yet? It's like, yeah, she's here. My dad, your, your dad's in the driveway waiting. I was like, all right, you give him the keys. She's like, I can't find the keys. I'm like, what do you mean you can't find the keys? She's like, I can't find the spare keys, but I'm looking everywhere. So I got my dad waiting in the driveway for like a <laughs> half hour. My mom's in there in, in our house. And Paige is running through the house looking for the key. Hudson's probably crying in the living room at this point. Oh, boy. I'm like, oh, my God. What do you? So I'm literally giving her all these suggestions. while I'm, I'm working on the line at the same time. Yeah. And I don't have my earbuds. And the plant's loud. Yeah. So I can barely hear her. She can barely hear me. Finally, I, we had an extra, and he, he's covering for me. I was able to talk on the phone for a second. And um, I was like, you seriously can't find the spare keys? They're always hanging up. Where the hell could they be? She's like, I'm literally looking everywhere in this house, and I can't find them. I'm like, I, I'm going to have to canvas out somehow because i got to get a locksmith out there. You don't know when the hell they're going to be able to get out there. Yeah. I'm like, I'm probably going to have to get them out there the next day. But yeah. now I'm just, now I'm like, okay, well, I have no way to get home at this point. I'm not going to wake my parents up and page up at four or some in the morning to come get my ass. I would have got you, buddy. I know you would have. But you weren't there that day, I don't think. I was there. I was there all week. Were you there all week? Okay. I don't canvas out anymore. I, I gave think, that shit up. I didn't think about that. Damn. But anyways, I was at the bottom of the list of the canvas sheet. So basically the team was cool enough to let me leave. And I was yeah. like, okay, I know those keys are in the house somewhere. So I get home. After Paige looks through the house for like an hour, I look through the house for like another hour. And I am, I tear my, I tore apart this house looking everywhere for it. I, I go into the garage. I'm, I, I'm, I'm like kind of looking in the driveway too, just yeah. for the hell of it. I'm like, where the hell are these damn keys? Sure. So there was one last place that we didn't check, and that was Paige's car. And I, and I asked her about her car when I was at work. And she was like, I literally just cleaned out my car. They're not in there. Like, she emptied it all out. She vacked it. She took it to the car wash. Okay. Yada, yada, yada. They weren't in there. And I'm not kidding around here. I literally think a supernatural force took those keys and moved them and placed them in the center console of her car. Because no she, shit. she literally cleaned out her car like a week or two prior. Wow. And we haven't used those keys in two in weeks. We haven't used them. Yeah. There's no reason. There's no reason for Paige to use them. There was no reason for me to use them. And there was no reason for those keys to be in her car. There's also no reason for your son to use them either. There's no reason for my son to use them because he can't reach them. Sure. He, he can't drive. He well, can't walk out the door. So how those keys got in her car, I obviously, I absolutely have no idea how they got in, the, in, in her car. It's that ghost that you got living around here. I swear, It's got to be. I just, I could not believe it. I'm like, how the hell do these end up in her car? That's crazy. So we ended up finding the keys. I did not have to get a locksmith, so that worked out. But I was I was so upset. I was so pissed. Yeah. Wasted a whole day of work just looking for these damn keys. <laughs> yeah, I had to canvas out everything. <laughs> I had to canvas out. Op- this whole, this whole and what's fucked up is Paige came and got me at work, and the keys were in the car the whole time. I could have just grabbed the keys and unlocked my car and walked back into work. Oh, that's, so pissed. That's insanity. So funny. And I don't blame her because she literally just cleaned her car out. Yeah. She, she Like, of course she wouldn't thing to go look in her car there's no reason for the keys to be in her car yeah that kind of reminds me of the whole operation that we had going on before this episode today where i had everything i needed to make my microphone work <laughs> i decided that nope i gotta go back home i gotta grab my auxiliary microphone <laughs> just make this episode happen but 
Yeah, I got some key stories, but I'm not gonna. We we're way over. Is that ne- next That's episode? That's for next episode. Is next <laughs> episode gonna be Aliens Part Three? Do you think it might be? Yeah, we could probably do that. It might be. If not next episode, the next in a couple weeks at least, we'll get another Alien episode up for sure. Tim's okay coming back on if we want him back on for sure. Uh, he, I think he did really well. Thanks to Tim for coming on that last episode. It, it was pretty well received. Right. So, anyways, you about ready to wrap up for today? I think we're ready to wrap this one up. I think so. I think this was a pretty good episode. I think so. We I have fun. a lot a lot of good content. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, guys, thank you very much. Be sure to tweet us at 30inla. Tweet us at 30inla if you have any government cover-ups. Yep, and we're going to have YouTube up eventually, Facebook maybe. Oh, that's right. I got to get that rolling. Uh, so we got we got some stuff coming up for you guys. Get some merchandise created. So awesome! Thank All you guys. guys. Thank you guys uh, for listening and uh, tune in next week. Yep. Thank you very much, guys. Peace. By the time he passed away, according to the report, <sighs> cut. <laughs> Includes five million dollars. Well, five point five million dollars. Are you familiar with the app Door J- or Cut. Are you familiar with the app uh, Door... <laughs> I can't say it. Are you familiar with DoorDash? Yes, DoorDash. The app? Usually, especially in the government, the government doesn't always attract the breast or the brightest mm-hmm. in terms of doing the functionary work. The breast or the brightest? The, the best or the brightest. <laughs> God, my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> So the the AEC the AEC at that time was home to the the <laughs> oh, oh my god that scared the shit out of me oh my god oh my god that scared the shit out of me oh my yeah I, I saw that coming down so oh. I didn't oh I didn't really react for but... those not in the studio a piece of my acoustic foam fell off the wall and it literally scared the shit out of me oh. All right, so back, back, back to the shit.